on our Facebook post where we're going. And I was shocked with the number of international countries that have come into our Family Fellowship Facebook post, not to mention the number of people that have come in internationally in our podcast. So we are reaching around the world and we want to continue to do that. So what I'm going to be doing here in the near future is I'm going to be doing podcasts and the Facebook. When I do a podcast, I will do a simultaneous Facebook so that you will no longer not have, and those that are listening from wherever they're listening and tapping into Family Fellowship Chapel will no longer be only able to follow us on the podcast or the Facebook. I'll be doing it simultaneously as I did last night. So tonight's going to be part two on uh, moments that change the life of a believer. The, the context of this is concerning the idea of how do we baptize? How do we baptize? Because we have an entire organization, a major organization, a worldwide organization, that is baptizing in the name of Jesus. We have another group of people that are baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have a division here that needs to be addressed. And nobody's addressing it. So the Lord opened my eyes last Wednesday night to something that we must understand. And it is called the doctrine of the apostles. And so in the doctrine of the apostles, we come to understand what is truth? What is biblical truth? How does biblical truth track itself? And Jesus has been quite clear on how biblical truth tracks itself. And he has been quite clear on the difference between biblical truth and untruth. Paul was quite clear too, because he opened the book of Galatia and he began to talk to them about another gospel. He mentioned it three times in three verses. And he said, I didn't receive my gospel from men. I received my gospel from the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, we're going to be dealing with that both in podcast and on Facebook in a teaching format. And before I go into my message today, I want to say this to you. Watch closely because soon I'm going to speak a message, a teaching message on Facebook that you will want to hear. That message is entitled, Are You Sure You're Saved? Now you say to me, What do you mean you're sure I'm saved? Jesus did this, that, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what Jesus did. But according to some doctrine, it could be possible that salvation is extinct. Did you hear what I said? According to some doctrines and some churches, it could be possible that salvation is extinct. Now I'm going to prove to you that that is not so. And I'm going to prove to you from the Word of God that the doctrine that is being taught is a doctrine of men. You want to watch for that because it will lead you to know that what God has done for you in your life is as real today as it was the moment it was spoken. So, but if their doctrine is correct, then there is a possibility that not only has the works of Jesus Christ with regards to the Spirit passed away, but it's possible that they could slice and dice and eradicate the truth and say that this is gone, it is possible that other things have gone too. But we know that's not true because we've read the Word of God and we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I want you to get that before I go where I'm going today. Because everything the disciples did to create their doctrine was done. Following the word of God in Luke chapter 1, or in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And it said, and they continued to do and to teach the things that Jesus began to do and teach. So this doctrine that we're talking about is a doctrine that will lead us into the divine side of God, the divine side of Jesus Christ. I want you to make sure and follow me on podcast and Facebook. And I will show you what the Word of God says concerning these very, very vital and important spiritual issues. Amen? How is faith built? 
It always begins with promise. Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians 1, 20-24. Before I go any further, I just want to say, thank God for six pounds of weight. <laughs> for all the promises of God in here are yea and amen. I'm going to 30. Glory to God. Under the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us as God, who hath also sealed us and given us, uh, given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I cannot, came not as yet into Corinth. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith you stand. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then, Father, may we be faithful to stand in what the word says and then to apply that Directly into our hearts and into our lives. Jesus, we ask you to speak today through the Holy Spirit. We ask you to show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you do, we'll receive it. We'll release it to your people. And as we release it to them, they will receive it. From there, we can be corrected. We can be brought closer. We can be brought more into the image of Jesus Christ. And for that, we are grateful and we are thankful. Ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our Master, God here. Amen. Amen. Now we're talking about the third side of the triangle of love. And the third side of the triangle of love is going to take us uh, a little bit to get through. So we're trying to understand now how we build faith. What is what what is there that we would build faith under? Uh, anything that is referred to as being built has to have a foundation. So I believe without question that we've located the foundation of the faith that Jesus Christ had. Now remember that Hebrews 12 and 2 said he was the author and the finisher of your faith. So bear in mind that there had to be something that was a foundation for why he believed like he did, why he acted like he did. And we found that to be that Jesus Christ built his faith on a promise. On a promise, on just a sheer promise. And that promise is located in Psalms Division 16. And it tells us precisely what Jesus built his faith upon. So we're going to go to Psalms Division 16, beginning with verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Okay, that's an important statement. Because what he has meant is, is that he has set the Lord as the one to whom he will always attain, whom he will always move to, the one to whom he will always serve, the one to whom he will always hear. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Jesus is talking about, Paul David is talking about the prophecy of Jesus Christ prior to his insertion into the world. As Jesus Christ was from the foundation of the world, a member of the Godhead bodily, David identifies that here. Therefore, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh, my flesh. Now we're talking about him as the incarnate child of God being birthed into the world. And he says, my flesh also is going to rest in hope. And then he tells you why. Then he tells you why he's going to have hope. He's going to have confidence. He's going to have absolute faith that what has been planned in the Godhead, would be brought forward in him without question. And now here we see where Jesus Christ built his faith upon. For thou wilt not leave. You're not going to leave me. If I go to hell, you're not going to leave me. Well, it was going to hell. We know that. That was, that was a part of the steps that Jesus Christ was going to take in order to break defeat, eradicate, and destroy the works of the devil based on what the devil had done in Adam and Eve that caused the absolute crushing 
of their soul and their spirit, Jesus Christ was coming to go into the region of the damned specifically to plunder his goods, to take out of the strong man's house the thing that gave him the power to be who he was. He said, now you're not going to leave me there, and I know that. I'm building my faith on that. Neither wilt thou suffer that holy one. Who's he talking about? The man we saw up there in verse 8. The man we saw that was up there saying that, that I'm at your right hand and I'm as holy as you are and you're not going to suffer me to be left in corruption. Now watch this. If you're not going to leave me, you're going to show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Now wait a minute. He's talking about living here. See that? He's talking about the path of life. And he's saying that in the path of life, I can still be in your presence. That's where we miss, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we, we miss out on this whole thing. Because the only time we really consider ourselves in the presence of God is when we're in the church house or when we're in somewhere where someone is praying. No, 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 no. He said on the journey or the path of life, wherever I go, and whatever I do, you're not going to leave me. And wherever I am, in whatever circumstance I am, in whatever trouble I am, in whatever ministry I'm doing, whatever the circumstance, you're going to be with me because your presence is surrounding me. And therefore, I find presence of joy, and it is not the case in the church today. We don't find the presence of joy. If we did, what would we do? We would run to the assembly of the children of God and tell of the greatness of an almighty God and the goodness of God and the ministry of what he is doing in my heart and in my life of the absolute healing that's flowing through me into those that are around me and the goodness of his presence would bring me into a joy that would be equal to the joy that Jesus promised us in John 15. But no, 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 we don't do that. We let the preacher have it. We expect the preacher to have it. But we don't want to live there ourselves. Why? Because we don't understand that wherever you are, he is. Whatever you're doing, he's there. The Lord said something to me the last night that I want to share with you. He said there's going to come a day when you're going to walk up to people and you're going to whisper in their ear. And when you whisper in their ear, the word that comes from me through you is going to send them running into an altar. So last night I was awakened at 3.30. Wide awake, startled out of the deep sleep. Because I saw a man who was a preacher laying on the couch in a suit covered up to his face. In that room was his wife and a child. They were saying, don't you want to go to church, preacher? Don't you want to go to church, preacher? The preacher laid on the couch and said, no, I don't want to go. They said, why not? He said, because I'm a homosexual. I'm pastoring the church and I'm a homosexual. Think about that, my friend. Think about that, my friend. Walking up to someone and whispering in their ear, God knows. God knows where you are. God knows what you're doing. God knows how you're thinking. God knows the thoughts and intentions that go into your mind and flow through your mind. You may think that you are hiding them from God, but you are not hiding them. You can hide them from me. Oh, but wait a minute. There are those that walk in the spirit of God with the discernment of spirit that are not only able to discern what they are doing, but God will tell them what you are doing. Oh, now wait a minute, preacher. Are you telling me that God will expose me in the house of God? Let me prove it to you. When they went to worship in the tabernacle, they were not able to worship in the tabernacle until they went to the labor and were completely purged, cleansed, and refined. Otherwise, they could not 
entered into the presence of God. What am I saying? If they were trying to carry sin into the presence of God, the sacrifice of which they brought would not only be defiled, but they would be defiled. Oh, dear God, Pastor, come on now. Truth is truth, my friend. We played games with God long enough. We turned around and made excuses with God long enough. Here's what is happening in the church world today. We are seeing people come into churches and we are watching the music escalate. And all of a sudden people stand up at the back of their chair and they begin to dance and cut a step like you wouldn't believe. And people say, oh, they're spiritual. Oh, look at the Holy Ghost. Oh, how God is ministering in them. So I cried to the Lord and I said, why God? This is what he told me. He said, when does spiritual begin from the natural? I said, that's a good question, God. That's what I'm talking to you about. I don't have that answer. He said, when the spiritual begin from the natural. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, what started the move? I said, well, now let me think. The organ, the music, all of that began to happen and then they jumped up and the next thing you know, they took the steps like they are in the dance hall. Well, as they say, they all up in the club. The natural never leads the spiritual. Never. So as the music is playing and they're dancing and everybody looking around saying, look at Sister So-and-so. Oh my God, the spirit is on her. Look at Brother So-and-so. They had a pastor on there just the other day. And, and he jumped up and he started cutting the jig. And I'll tell you right now, my brothers and sisters, he was going. He was going. He was stepping. They broke the thing around behind him. And I did not know as human beings speak to move so fast. Well, so I inquired of the Lord. I said, Lord, what's going on here? He said, the natural will never leave the spiritual. The natural will never leave the spiritual. The music will never drive an individual into a spiritual position where when they dance before me, I will accept it. So I said, what are they dancing for? Pay attention. He said, they are dancing because in their dance, they are justifying their sin. What do you mean, Pastor? They are justifying that because they can dance in the outward world, because they can dance and show what the outward world speaks as a move of the Spirit, they are then able to go out and live in their sin and justify their sin because the natural caused their body to move in a way that the people said was spiritual. Never works like that, my friend. So they come and they dance and they go and live together. They go and have children out of wedlock. They go and lie and cheat and steal. They go and become gossip mongers. They go and execute the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eye. And they come back to church the next week. And when the music plays, it without respect to their weakness. They jump up and begin to dance. Everybody says, how spiritual. And everybody said, oh, they got it. They are good with God. Well, didn't you see how they responded to the spirit? Well, my friends, the natural never, ever leads the spiritual. Doesn't work like that. The spiritual leads the spiritual. If you are living, operating off of external moves that drive you into happiness. Well, that's a fleeting thing. If you are operating off of an external move 
that gives you something and that elevates your spirits. Well, that's an external thing. It will not last. It has no foundation from which to be built upon. Because if I take that away from you, guess what you do? You get sad. You get hurt. You drop down. You, you become offended. So the external will never drive a spiritual relationship. And you need to understand that. Whatever that external is, I use the music because whenever I watch some of these churches, I had somebody stop me the other day, uh, you know, about a month and a half, two months ago, at a, at a restaurant where I'd go to get sharing some food. And, uh, and uh, uh, we began to talk about church. And he told me the, the flavor of church he went to. And he said to me, our people, boy, we stomped on the devil last night. We stomped all over that stage and we stomped on the devil last night. I didn't say anything. I said, oh, that's nice, brother. Nice talk to you. Be good. Have a good day. God bless you. Got in my car and said, now, wait a minute. Hold on, Mr. Postman. Call me the problem here. Why are they stomping on the devil in the sanctuary? Why are they stomping on the head of the devil on the platform? Why are they dancing up and down, calling themselves, putting the devil under their feet? I'm going to tell you right now, in the name of Jesus, he does not reside in the sanctuary at Family Fellowship Chapel. No way, no how, ain't going to happen. If you ever tell me you dance on the devil in here, I'm going to tell you, you are lying. Ain't here. We cast him out eight years ago, and he ain't coming back, glory to God. But when they tell me that, that tells me something. They got a problem. They got a belief system problem. They got an understanding problem. They got a misunderstanding problem. They got a misappropriation problem. They got a problem with the word of God. They got a problem with sheer, simple common sense. Got a problem. Got a big problem. Oh, dear God. I'll be leaving that for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. They got a big problem. Because they are doing things outside the structure of the word of God. They are taking external things and trying to bring joy to it. And when external things are removed, guess who they are? They are the same old sinful sinner. They are the same old sinful thinker. They are the same old sinful walker that does the spike to grace and goes out into the community and everybody says, look at that. Now, why is she going to such and such a church? Why should she be operating like that? Why does she be lying? Why does she be not telling people what is true? Why does she be taking things that don't belong to her? Or him, whatever the case may be. Why? Why? Because they live off of external things. And the external things are the important things. But we, who know the word of truth, live off of internal things. Our joy is because no matter where I go, no matter what I do, no matter who I see, no matter what I, where I'm walking, I'm walking in the presence of Almighty God. I'm not walking looking for the presence of the devil. I'm not walking looking to cast down demons. I will if I need to, and I have. But I cast them down not in my own name, not by anything I can do, but because the name of Jesus is effective, and the name of Jesus always accomplishes exactly what he said it would accomplish. So whenever the need arises, I heard one preacher say one time, a preacher came to his uh, church building to meet with him, and he said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. I didn't cast 17 devils out of myself today. Huh? What? My friend, I don't look to cast them out. Why? Because I don't let them in. I don't let them in. I just simply don't let them in. If I see one of them trying to do something, let me think something, Cause me to do anything that would lose my anointing, I deal with it right there. 
I deal with it like this. I discern. Now watch it now. Watch it now. Watch it now. My own spirit. I discern what's going on in me myself. Why? How do I do that? Well, I let the Holy Ghost. He is the one who Jesus said was working with him to bring about the perfect will of God in me as he searches my heart. Romans 8, 27. So now I can look into myself and say, Jesus, is there anything in me? Search me, oh God, of my favorite song, along my heart today. Try me, oh Savior, cleanse my thoughts. I pray and see if, listen, there be some wicked way in me. And cleanse me from every stain and make me clean. What a beautiful song. Well, we saying that, praying that, looking for that, expecting that, operating in that on a daily basis. Therefore, we don't have to worry about the presence of God. We don't have to worry about what the world is doing. We don't have to operate in a concern or a consideration for what may be coming against me. Because I'm clean on the inside and the presence of Almighty God is walking with me and in His presence I have the fullness of the joy that Jesus promised me. How did He promise it, Pastor? By grace. Because he is grace. How did he promise it, Pastor? By faith. Where did my faith come from? Jesus Christ. Where did grace come from? Jesus Christ. How do I apply grace? I apply Jesus Christ. How do I apply faith? Jesus Christ. Paul said it too. I'm not the only one to say it. If you read Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of Almighty. So here we stand, ladies and gentlemen, when we wonder how to build faith. You have to have a promise. You have to have something that you're building it upon. That promise cannot be man-made. That's what Paul told the church in Galatia. You can't build your faith on the promises man-made. You can't build your faith on the promise that tells you you can live unholy and God's going to accept you. You can't build your faith on a promise that says love is the answer. Can't do that. I'm going to show it to you right now. Hebrews 9.14, I want you to see this. Jesus Christ was never left alone. Everywhere he went and everything he did, the Holy Spirit operated with him. Look at that. How much more <clears throat> shall the blood of Christ do through the eternal spirit? Who, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God? So everything and every step that Jesus Christ did, the Holy Ghost oversaw to make sure that it was absolutely perfect and acceptable. So we can trace the reality of how the promises in the life of Jesus Christ from his birth directly through every step that led him to the revelation of redemption and the plan of salvation was taken. In his presence there is fullness of joy. Now the world today wants to tell us that we don't need that Holy Ghost. We only need the Holy Ghost that will save us. We don't need the Holy Ghost that brings us into the fullness of his presence. I'll show you that as we teach on through our messages on are you really saved? You don't want to miss it. Of course, it was because the promises of God were stated that he was always with him. But I read to you today that every promise in him is yea and amen in Christ Jesus, did I not? It was the promise that would ultimately return him back to the position where he would be at the right hand of promise forevermore. In verse 8, we see a commitment to be obedient. I could talk about that quite a while. Here's a reason that we lack faith. Because of our lack of depth of commitment. We make excuses for everything and anything 
that needs to be done in the name of Jesus. Right down to attendance at church. We make excuses to say, well, I've got this today. Or I've got that today. Or I need to, and, and it's more important. Well, that lack of commitment, my friends, is a reason your faith fails. Now, I want you to look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. Because I'm going to show you how the world has attempted, and I, I'm, I'm not going to get through this, but I'll finish it up uh, at a later service. The world is attempting to humanize Jesus Christ. What does that mean? They're trying to take the natural and put it in the spiritual. That's what I've just showed you today. They're using music. They're using the beat of music. They're using the humanistic uh, idea concerning love. And humanizing Jesus Christ. We refer to that as being woke. Now, someone said, where is that in the Bible? Well, you ain't got to look no longer. I'm going to show it to you. Where did people do like that in the Bible? Well, you got to, you don't need to look. Just look at Mark chapter 6. Look at it. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. Saying, from whence, now look at this now, look at this now. From whence had this man these things? Where did he get that? That's an important question. They're going to ask the question here. Where in the world did this man get what he got? What and that wisdom? What wisdom uh, is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hand. Now look at the next four words, five words there. And here is the humanizing of Jesus Christ that's going on in our world. This is what's happening in our world. We're trying to humanize. Now notice what they said about it. They said, this man, where did he get these great things? And this wisdom that is beyond anything, we're astonished by it. And then they humanize. And they say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the one who had a daddy who was a carpenter? Whose mother had brethren just like him? They're all. Look at the scripture. The son of Mary, the brother of James, and uh, Jose, and Judah, and Simon are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at it. Why were they offended at it? Because... He was doing things that they wanted to humanize in order to be able to say, oh, I could do the same thing. Ah, don't worry about that stuff. He's no more than a carpenter. That's all he is. That's all he's ever going to be. And we got the proof. The proof is I'm looking at his brothers and sisters. Now, what have we done with that in our world today? We've taken the carpenter and humanized him. How do we humanize him? Have you seen the commercial only he gets us? Humanized, my friends. Have you heard anybody preach on the overarching love of God that encompasses everybody and everything, and now we include everybody and everything under the love of God because that's how we see love. We, we can love anybody, anywhere, anytime. And that's how God must love because he's just a carpenter, you know. We brought it into a woke ideology. And that woke ideology is saying that if he's just no more human than me, then I can live any way I want to. I can be a drug addict. I can be a domestic violent one. I can be an alcoholic. I can live any way I want to because in his human form, I can make him be whatever I need him to be. To them, in his own land, he was only a carpenter. Think about that. Humanizing Jesus. Never understanding what I told you. What did you tell us, Pastor? That there are grace and truth. One side is the operation of the application of Jesus Christ. That is grace. The other side is truth, which is the application of his divine side. In him came the two. You can't take the divine side away from Jesus Christ. They're showing you the divine side in verse 2. The divine side, look at it, said, From whence hath this man these things? And who gave him all of this wisdom? 
You see, what's going to happen here is, is Nazareth, Nazareth is going to fall into a condition of disrepair because they could not operate in any faith. And even greater than that, where the woke agenda was, now follow what I'm about to say, where the woke agenda was, he could not do any Why? Because they wanted to humanize it. Now we're living in a world right now that's doing the exact same thing. We want to humanize Jesus. We want to bring him down to our level. We want to say, well, he's a good guy, but he ain't the only way to God. We want to humanize his love. We want to humanize his wisdom. We want to humanize his actions. We want to humanize everything and say, he'll get me right where I am. That we don't understand that we as the church fostered that. Huh? How did we foster? Because we told somebody that if they would pray a prayer, they could come into him by grace and there was nothing they could ever do again. So the world, the devil jumped all over that, brought that message into the house of God, and now the world has said, okay then, that tells me that he was human. Why does it tell them that he was human? Because he made mistakes just like I do. And if he made mistakes just like I do, then my God, this grace stuff is awesome. The church possible. We had a man in a, in a class years ago stand up and say these words, and I'll never forget it. Someone said, Jesus Christ is holy, sinners and pure. He stood up and said, can't be so. That cannot be so. Because I can't serve a Jesus who doesn't know and have been in the sin that I'm in or I was in. My friend, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that he was a sinner like you. It teaches that sin was put upon him so that it could be taken off of you by the blood, by, by the application of the blood, by grace through faith. He was a sinless, spotless lamb. Otherwise, the cross and the crucifixion was never legal. Now do you see why I tell you that if you listen to them, you may not be saved. What a sad commentary. I said, what a sad commentary. What a sad commentary. Why? Because we have fostered where we are and we don't even realize it. We have fostered doubt and unbelief and we don't even realize it. We have fostered humanistic living and we don't even realize it. And now the church is fighting to hold their head above water. In a world that says, what do we need the church for? What do we have any reason to have the church for? We've got Jesus down here humanized. We can live like we want to and everybody's going to heaven. What do we need the church for? We foster that memory. So we have a whole community here in Nazareth. His own country that is living in doubt and unbelief. Humanized. Where did he come from? But Jesus said unto them, I'm done right here. A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he did there, now think of this, do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and he healed them. And he marveled. He marveled. He marveled. And their unbelief. And he went round about the villages and began to teach himself. He marveled at their unbelief. Now, what is he saying here? What is being said to us today? That the reason we are where we are is for one reason, one reason only. Not because he couldn't do what it is he's always said he would do, what it is he promised he would do. What it is he taught that he would do. And what it is the disciples, through the doctrine of the apostles, said they would continue to do the things that he began to do and teach. Now because of that, look at the scripture. And then he said, he, he, he was not without honor, 
and he could do there no mighty work. But while he was there, he did lay a hand on a few sick folk and healed them. So that shows me something now. It shows me that he is not destitute or absent of accomplishing exactly what it is that he is called and sent and his word is called and his people are called to do, even in the middle of unbelief. What a great thing to know. And he marveled, though, even after he had healed a few sick people, at how much they were willing to walk in unbelief. Now that tells me something here. Even though we see and hear the word of God being preached, even though we have those who are teaching the word of truth, even though we have those who define, delineate, describe, and explain the words of truth, they're looking at us in total unbelief, even though we are doing the things that Jesus taught us to do and living the things that Jesus told us to live, they are still in opposition to the divine side of Jesus Christ, but he's still going to do a few works. He's still going to do some works. He's still going to have preachers that are going to stand and proclaim truth. He's still going to have those that are going to pronounce the word of God over the lives of their people and see them raise up and be well. He's still going to have those that are going to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. He's still going to have those that he is going to work with as Lord who are rightly divided his divine word of divine truth before God's people. He's still going to do it. And he's going to stand and marvel at those who would rather have the humanistic side of him than to have the divine side of it. Where are you? That's the question I'm going to close with. Where are you? Where are you? Are you operating in the humanistic side that says, oh, I can take this grace package as they teach it and be happy and wait on Jesus? Let me tell you what you're doing. You're dancing around in the natural. You're dancing around in the natural. Oh, you look good. You dress good, you come to church good, you dancing around in the natural. You're doing exactly what I said earlier in my message. You have taken the natural and tried to apply it to spiritual. And it never works. The Bible said spiritual will be declared by spiritual in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where this is going to come from. It will compare spiritual things to spiritual things. Where does that happen? It happens in here. It doesn't happen from anything out there. It happens from right in here in my spirit. Now, where are you today? Are you dancing around and showing yourself to be naturally spiritual, but spiritually unnatural? Hmm. Naturally spiritual. But spiritually unnatural. How do we know what spiritual unnatural is? Read Romans 1. We'll find all out spiritual unnatural in Romans 1. They took God, took the righteousness of God, and made it unrighteous. They took their natural affections and took the natural affection of a man to a woman and put it to a woman or a woman to a woman and a man to a man. Their natural affections. That's how we can tell when their natural to spiritual has become an unnatural spiritual affection. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. You know why? Because you and everyone that hears me preach sits under the word of the divine side of Jesus Christ. You don't have to operate in that knowledge about grace. You don't have to live there. You can apply grace into your heart and into your life, and it will be Jesus Christ applying himself if you will discern your own spirit. I'm not done, but I'm finished. Where are you, God? Father, I praise you today for your goods. For you have poured out among us 
your heart today. Not my heart, but your heart. You have poured out among us the truth. You have poured out among us what you need for us to know and what you need for us to do. Father, for that we are thankful. Now, God, as we apply this message to our heart, as we apply this message to our heart today, we ask you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ to bring us in the truth. To bring us in the truth. To bring us into the knowledge of what Nazareth saw and didn't want. What Nazareth saw and didn't use. What Nazareth could have had, but they chose to make him a human. We want what Nazareth saw. We want the things that you have. We want the wisdom that you have. We want to use them. We want to be blessed by them. We want to live by them. We want to have the outcome of them as you minister to the sick. We want you to marvel at our belief not an hour unbelief. We want you to marvel as how we would walk in and begin to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Until our inner man became so spiritual that the things of Jesus and the wisdom of Jesus would operate out of us into the lives of those of glory in our soul. We see, Jesus, that Nazareth should have been your circle of influence because that was your country, but it could not have been because they, as a community, denied faith. They denied the word. They denied the truth. They denied the presence. May we not do so. Now today, Lord, minister to your people in Jesus' name. May you not deny the workings of Jesus Christ in your life. May you not deny the workings of the Son of God. Not today. As you stand to your feet, raise your hands and say, Lord, I receive the things that are of Jesus Christ. I receive the wisdom that is of Jesus Christ. I receive the understanding that is of Jesus Christ. I take it. It belongs to me because it's of Jesus Christ. Truth is divine side. Now, Father, I take the side of Jesus that is grace. And I apply it into my heart. And I ask you to scourge me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Take out of me anything and everything that stands between me and you. I apply grace to that. I receive it in the name of Jesus. By faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. I pronounce it today in agreement with your faith that as you declare by faith that Jesus Christ and the things that he did and the wisdom of which he applied to your life will come alive in the name of Jesus Christ, give the Lord a For those of you on Facebook, YouTube, listening, higher radio, from wherever you are, the Word of God is rich and it is real. I preach to you truth today. I pray that you will stop trying to humanize Jesus Christ as they did in Adam, and that you will walk under the truth of the divine order that Christ has set forth for you and for me. Because in it is the presence of full joy. And in it is my place with him in the majesty of heaven with him. If you don't know him today, simply pray with me. Father, I ask the blood to activate grace in my life. And his grace is applied to me by the blood 
forgiveness of my sins. I believe by faith that I've heard the word of God and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I thank you and I will serve you. Amen. Those of you that have gone into many and various doctrines of understanding, that have humanized him or have left him in tradition, Today I ask in the name of Jesus that your eyes would be open and your ears would hear and your heart would understand too. And that Jesus Christ himself would speak through the Holy Spirit and show you what you need to know, do, understand your things. And as he does, you will be brought into a freedom that is as if you lived in a year of Jubilee. Father, bless those that are listening. May God richly bless you with my prayer during the week ahead, Wednesday night Bible study. Don't miss it. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we will be teaching on the second part of the moments that change the life of the living. May God richly bless you and you with me. Well, I don't know the hour. I don't know the day. <laughs> I wish I knew the hour and the day. <laughs> but I know it's coming. Oh, yes, it's coming. Thank you, girl. Thank I appreciate you. It. Appreciate you.